In today's highly competitive mortgage industry, building profitable relationships with real estate agents is essential for success. However, finding effective ways to secure agent relationships can be a challenge. With so many mortgage loan originators vying for the attention of real estate agents, it can be difficult to stand out and establish meaningful connections. Our new case study featuring loan officer Chris Coghill is a must read. Chris has closed a remarkable 36 million in funded loans from agent referrals. And in this case study, he shares his proven strategies for building strong relationships with real estate agents and leveraging those relationships to drive more business. To get your hands on this resource, head over to locastudy.com and download your free copy of the case study today. You'll find actionable insights and practical tips that Chris used to close 36 million in funded loans from agent referrals and how you can too. Don't miss out. Go check it out right now. Visit locastudy.com and download your free copy today. Welcome to Mortgage Marketing Radio, brought to you by the Mortgage Marketing Institute, your number one source for truth in mortgage marketing. Hi there, this is Jeff Zim for your host of Mortgage Marketing Radio. Thanks for tuning in. On this episode, we feature Renee Rodriguez. And I'm very honored and pleased to have Renee as my special guest. Uh, it's taken quite a while to get Renee as a guest on the podcast because he's incredibly busy, sought out by many organizations in the mortgage industry and beyond, multi-billion dollar corporations that want to bring in Renee in because Renee is a specialist. Let me ask you a question. If you ever had something that you know you should do, but you don't do it, right? Are there activities or actions or things that you should be doing in your business, in your personal life, in your relationships that you know you should do, but you never really seem to be able to get through the resistance and get it done? Do you not do certain activities because of the way you feel about them, right? If that's you and who isn't, right, who can't relate to some of that, then this podcast is perfect for you because Renee is an expert in behavioral neuroscience. He understands how the brain works. And Renee and I unpack what are the key reasons, beliefs, and you know strategies that we can use to break through the resistance we have in our lives when we want to go to that next level and achieve certain results. And I really, really enjoyed my conversation with Renee because I felt it was just truly authentic and it deals with, you know, it's one thing to talk about marketing things and the sales related things that we should be doing, right? Making calls, setting appointments, um, managing our past database and all that's good and relevant. But if in any of those areas you're not following through, there's a reason why. And it's not just because you're too darn busy right? It relates to the psychology behind that, the beliefs about that, because the beliefs you have about any particular thing, whether it's making those extra calls or, you know, spending more time at home, whatever it is, the beliefs drive your behaviors. And so Renee and I are going to help you unpack how do we, first of all, have awareness about what our beliefs are, what's, what's our unconscious, subconscious beliefs that are even influencing us and how are they driving us, right? How are they impacting the results that we get in our life, whether those are results are positive or whether they're results that we aren't happy with and we want to improve those results. So I hope you'll enjoy today's podcast because I really thoroughly did. And we look forward to having Renee back to take some deeper dives. So um, without further ado, let's get into this week's show. Hey, Renee, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. It's, uh, you know, hunting you down, man. It's been a challenge. You're bouncing all over the world, uh, speaking and changing lives. So I'm glad we could finally connect on this. And, you know, I'm, I'm really honored to bring you to my audience because, I know you've been in the mortgage space for quite a while. You're, you know, quite the influencer there. We have a lot of the same connections and friends, but you've been doing stuff for a long time in the mortgage space. So I was really happy to be able to, you know, get this recording together today and, and uh, you know, add some value to our listeners. Well, I appreciate you being uh, as persistent as you uh, have been because I I've, I've, I've definitely haven't made it easy for you. So I, I apologize, but I'm super excited to be here. 
Yeah, no worries. You know, it's funny. As I'm looking back how long ago, how long we've been communicating, and actually there's a LinkedIn message that I can see on my screen right now from 2012. So, wow. uh, yeah, that's, wow. how, <laughs> that's how long I've been chasing you. <laughs> well, I, I'm just trying to play hard to get. Is that, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's it. There you go. That's exactly. But uh, we got you now, so that's cool. All right. So uh, let, let's, let's uh, kind of unpack our uh, conversation of where we want to take this. Uh, there's lots of directions to potentially go with you um, because you've, you know, you, your experience and your expertise is, 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 I think, pretty wide, but also goes deep as well, which is kind of unique at the same time. Um, but if you wanted to take maybe you know, 45 seconds or so and just sum up, you know, who, is, who is Rene Rodriguez? What's your specialty? I mean, I know you've studied behavioral neuroscience and all that kind of stuff, but um, what, what, is it, what are you passionate about when it comes to dealing with other people? What are you trying to drive? You know, it's a, um, it's a deep question. What am I passionate about? You know, I, I was fortunate enough to be introduced to brain research early on. And when I say early on, I'm, I'm referring to, you know, in, when I was around 17, 18 years old and watching what's possible when you understand how the brain works. And the more you understand what's happening in the brain, the more you realize that there's a certain pattern, there's a sequence that, that has to happen. And when you don't understand that sequence, most of what we've been taught goes against how the brain learns, how it likes to respond, how it likes to retain information, how it likes to engage. And so my life has in the last over 20 years has been understanding some very specific elements of how the brain functions, but then spending you know these 20 years applying it and applying it in terms of how do we help people be, become more effective leaders. And to me, as you, you and I talked before, leadership to me is about influence. Mm. There is no leadership without influence. And if you can't influence behavior, you're not a leader. You may be a manager, you may have a title, but you're not leading. And so applying it in terms of leadership, applying it in terms of sales, how do you help somebody sell more? And that, you know, I go anywhere from, you know, creating sales process to helping increase conversion ratios. Cause you know, we know there's really only a couple ways you can make more money. One is you increase the amount of activities you engage in that actually are profitable or you become better at those activities and increase your conversion ratio. Mm. And so increasing conversion ratio comes into being a better speaker. So it ties into the leadership and speaking aspect, but then also change management. And this comes down to behavioral change. That's where I spend a lot of my time. And anytime we're talking about sales training, anytime we're talking about a new skill set, if you ignore the change process, you're missing 80% of it. And because you can show somebody all the best information in respect in, in, in the information age we're in right now, you can Google anything I'm talking about. It's there. Mm. But getting somebody to make the change is probably where if you were to ask me my what what is my specialty would be in that process. It's combining all those elements, but then really having a plan for creating change. Okay. So getting somebody to make the change. So there's, as I'm listening to this, right, I'm trying to put myself in the, the listener's shoes. I'm a mortgage loan officer and I'm thinking about, right, I'm trying to grow my business. Obviously I'm trying to um, affect change when I'm working with potential clients or re referral partners, getting them to take action, to choose me, right, to partner with me, send me referrals. And that's, and I want to talk about that, but you, you raised a good point is that I think the, what you're trying to say is the first person we need to um, influence is ourselves, right? Well, we, we definitely have to influence ourselves. And you know, there's a whole psychology around that piece of it where some people say, fake it till you make it. Mm. There's a great TED Talk, um, and I forget the woman's name, but she wrote a book called Presence. And her research talks about, and I'll provide you the link so you can provide it to your listeners here, but her research really talks about the the psychology and neurology around body language and how you know our body language can affect our emotional state and how our emotional state can affect our body language so that there's this sense of usually if we don't have the emotional presence to feel like we're the, in the lead or if we have the influence then that emotional state internally affects our body language but what's really cool is that if you can affect your body language even though if you're not in the emotional place that that body language will affect your emotional state and over a period of time you will become different. And so her, her quote is, don't fake it till you make it, fake it till you become it. And there's some really, really cool stuff in, in that. So I'll, I'll provide that for you as well. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I actually um, had a blog post on her probably about a year ago, Amy Cuddy. I just Googled That's her. That's her, yes. Yeah, yeah, great, great TED Talk. Your body language shapes who you are. Absolutely, and it's, and it's one of the only things we can control. Hmm. You, you, can, you can control your thoughts and your posture. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. You're, you're reminding me of, uh, so, so 25 years ago, I actually worked for Tony Robbins and 
it makes it reminds me of uh, you know the study that he often refers to, which uh, I forget the details, but it was you know dealing with depressed people, right? And and, mm-hmm. and all they did was had, and you're probably familiar with the study, right? They had them kind of look up and smile for like ten minutes a day or whatever. And they wound up actually changing, reducing the amount of depression and meds they were on. Absolutely, absolutely. There's there's such a correlation because. So depression, the feelings, that is all about a chemical imbalance, and it's a very real thing. And you can affect the chemical balance or imbalance through many ways. There's pharmacology, which mimics the neurotransmitters that are already existing in our brain. And, you know, you've got, you you can take um, morphine because you already have neuroreceptor sites for endorphins. It just fills the same receptor sites. But you can still trigger those same chemical changes through body language, posture, through working out, through your diet. And, you know, I, I, when my kids start, you know, one of my uh, children, when he, if he ever gets in a, a, you know, grumpy mood or something like that, one of the, the funny things that we do, I'm like, hey, you're welcome to cry about this. I said, but you know the rules. And he gets so frustrated, but he does it. He's got to sit there with his chin up in the air and his, and his mouth spread open. So like a kind of a smile. And it could be a fake smile. I don't care. I said, you can pout all you want, but you got to do it that way. And within literally five to 10 seconds, he's giggling and he's laughing. And he's almost <laughs> mad that he's not feeling mad anymore. You know, that's awesome. But it's, it's, it literally is one of those, those things we can control. Yeah. So that goes back to that, uh, you know, kind of thought you opened up with is when you're a teenager, you're discovering kind of the keys to the brain and that you literally can take charge of how you feel in any given moment, which is going to impact what you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. And if you think about it, I mean, let's, let's, let's think about it. All of us, anybody here listening is facing some sort of challenge, whether that challenge is a goal that we've set or financial challenge or personal, professional relationship, all of that. And the way we tell that story to ourselves or what we call a frame, mm. how we frame that for ourselves will determine everything. And that's, a, that's an exercise I actually do with a lot of my leaders. We, you know, when I teach them about framing, is, you know, we'll say, okay, let's take a current event and I want to frame it one way and then I want you to reframe it a different way and then I'm going to reframe it and we're going to go back and forth to see who wins. And, you know, you can take any event where, you know, let's, let's, let's play with something very real, for example. So um, I've been a pain in the butt to get a hold of. So <laughs> one, one frame is, you know, gosh, you know, Renee is so busy and thank you so much for making time in your busy schedule. Right. That's a frame. So I'll, I'll reframe it. You know, Renee has been such a pain to get a hold of. What is he doing and why doesn't he, what is he lacking in the personal time management skills to be able to be a professional? I can't believe it that it's been, it can't be that hard to get a hold of him. Hmm. Hmm. Two, same event, two completely different frames. Yeah. So what you're talking about, that's, that's basically a filter for how we're experiencing a certain situation. Um, And that's totally real. You can see a lot of that on social media lately with the reaction to political climate, right? Um, but so how do we control that then? How do we, first of all, recognize this bad pattern we've got of, of, of viewing it through a certain frame that, that's not putting us in the greatest you know, state or whatever? Well, I think, one, we've got to be aware of the process. I always tell people, watch the news. Right. You, you, the same current event happens, and then you've got two, radio, two um, TV stations that are going after two news, or what do you call them? Uh, they're not stations anymore. You know, Networks. Or, Networks, thank yeah. you, that race out to frame the event in accordance to what their political uh, uh, stance might be. Mm-hmm. Or you have different TV shows that will take the same event and, and reframe it. Look what happened with, with um, the, uh, the gentleman that, um, uh, the, the Muslim gentleman that had the, the, um, his, his son die and then right. Trump said something. And then, of course, everybody ran with that in every direction where, you know, some people acknowledged that, you know, that he was a war hero. Some people said, I can't believe that Trump did that. Some mm-hmm. people said, you know, hey, I acknowledge you're a war hero, but you're missing a point. And it was just all sorts of, it's a, it's a battle for the frame mm-hmm. around it. And I tell people, I say, look, just you, you need to educate yourself on the, the process of what's going on so that you can, number one, don't be a victim of what's going on. But two, there's some real positive uses to, to how framing works that, that really can help your business. So let's talk about some positive uses then. For example, um, and this is, you know, coming up for me because maybe subconsciously it's a personal struggle. <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, so there's a lot of stuff we know we should be doing, right? Well, I should make those calls. I should do whatever in my business, right? Set up a proper database management system. I should, you know, get more real to whatever, fill in the blank. There's a lot of stuff we should be doing. Um, so, so why aren't we doing it then? Does it come down to framing it? Well, okay. So, so the reason why we don't do it is, is, is a very different reason. Um, 
framing definitely helps, but let's go back to the core core issue. I want you to think for a minute that your brain just from a very this, after 20 years, I finally come down to something and, and learn something that, that uh, makes it much easier to understand. I want you to imagine that you have two systems in your brain. Huh? You have system one and you have system two. Now, your system one is a very fast acting, very quick to decide something that is very instinctual part of your brain, very needed, very important part of the brain. If you were to see somebody that has a smile on their face, you would instantly know they're happy. If you saw a scowl and you saw their eyes in a certain position, you would know that they're maybe upset or confused. Those are system one sort of responses. Now, the challenge with system one is that it, it doesn't really deal with detail all that well. It, mm-hmm. it looks at things and it's surface information and it, and it makes a very snap judgment. And I'll give you an example. And I'm going to ask you a question, Jeff, and just blurt it out as soon as you know it. Um, how many of each animal did Moses bring on the ark? Two. Okay, that's, that's what everybody says is two. But the real answer is, the answer is zero, because Moses didn't bring any. It was Noah. And so, <laughs> you got <it's>, me. <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's such a common thing that they dub that the Moses illusion. And so what happens, it's, it's basically I'm playing with your system one. Your system one, here's near Moses and Noah, contextually close enough. System one says, forget the details. Let's just win this uh, answer and let's answer this the way we know it. Hmm. And so your system one is the, the one that, that it makes those really super snap judgments. Now, there's this thing called system two. The system two is the more human part of us. It's very slow thinking. It's something that's methodical. It thinks to the long term. You know, for example, what's uh, 20 times uh, 340? Oh, God, please. Right. So yeah, somebody says, you know, large number, you know, some, some, probably some of your listeners probably know exactly what that number is, but for you to figure it out, you'd have to slow down, think Mm -hmm. process methodically, you know, for me, I'd have to go grab my calculator and, you know, but that's our system two at play. It's a very, it's a slower thinking. So there's a great book that outlines this in detail called thinking fast and slow. Okay. And so let's look at the implications of that. Those two brains, those two brains are constantly at battle. They're, they're fighting for, um, for really what, how do we best set ourselves up for the future as well as protect ourselves in the short term. Obviously, system one is designed to protect ourselves in the short term. System two is designed to design for the long term. So let's say, you know, someone's battling weight. They want to, they want to get back in better shape, you know, with all the travel I've got going on, you know, it's, I've, my diet and my uh, workout routine has taken a hit mm-hmm. and you know, I wish it wasn't true, but that then takes a hit on your body. It takes a hit on your, on your energy level. It takes a hit on everything. And so here I am, I'm like, okay, I'm back. My system uh, two is saying, okay, Renee, you know what? Let's plan this out. Let's think to the long term. All you got to do is plan out your meals, order the meals, get back in the gym slowly. Things will be good. Let's make a plan. We start tomorrow. And my system one hears that and goes, awesome, right? Let's do this. We're going to do this start tomorrow, we feel good. And system one's excited, system two's made the plan, we're good to go. And then tomorrow comes, alarm goes off, and what do you think wakes up first, system one or two? Uh, yeah, they're both slow to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, my system one, the alarm goes off, so it's, you're right, it's the excitatory response, and it wakes up, and the job of system one is to avert stress. That's what people don't understand. Mm. The first part of the brain, the, the, the most important job of the brain is to uh, keep us alive. Right. The only brain, the way the brain understands what is dangerous is through cortisol and stress. And of course, memory, but the memory causes stress and pushes us away from that. System one is measuring stress level and stress response. And so <clears throat> going through any sort of change causes stress. Hmm. And that stress triggers system one. System one says stress, bad, move away. And it pushes us away from that. Mm. While system two is saying, hey, no, think to the long term. System one says, nope, doesn't have the ability to think to the long term. It take care, takes care of the here and now. So I, when I get up in the morning, my system one is saying, Renee, hit the snooze button, buddy. You need more sleep. <laughs> you know, and, you know, system, and then, of course, one of those two is going to win. But um, let's go back to when you say why we're not doing it. And, and really, it's about procrastination. So procrastination, system one, system two, all go hand in hand. I used to do a course called Overcoming Procrastination. And the, the main message of that is that procrastination is not a time management problem. And that's usually people are like, what? Because they, they want to go out and find a system like Franklin Covey or getting things done or, you know, what you name it for managing procrastination. But procrastination is not a time management problem. Procrastination is a self-regulation problem. I'm not regulating my response 
to stress. And so here I've got to go do like, what's one thing, for example, that you're putting off, Jeff? Uh, A website related project. Okay. So my guess is that it's not easy to do. Right. So by doing it, it's going to take time, energy. Maybe there's a potential, like, what if I, I don't know, if you, you don't strike me as a person to think, what if I fail? Because um, I think you're, you're, you're a doer. But some people say, you know, man, what if I fail? But all of the things, or maybe I don't have time, or, you know, if you're like me, I'm a perfectionist, so if it's not done perfectly, I don't want to do go. it. Yep. You know, there's all sorts of things that cause stress. So system one says, you know what, put it off a little bit. And the act, if you think about, you know, how we train rats and dogs and, you know, things like that. When they do a good behavior, you reinforce them. Mm-hmm. Reinforcement happens two ways. People forget there's positive and negative. Now, people make the mistake of thinking negative as in bad. In when it comes to behavioral uh, uh, behaviorism, negative means a removal of. So if I were to, let's say, uh, pinch your neck really, really hard in a, in a certain, you know, pressure point and it'd be difficult. And I would say, until you do this, mm-hmm. This is going to be here. And then you do what I ask and then I let go. That's a negative reinforcement, mm-hmm. right? So procrastination, the act of procrastination is a negative reinforcement because the act of putting it off makes us feel better and reduces our stress. Hmm. Not to think, though, that we all know logically that that action will create stress in the future, but system one doesn't have the capability of thinking to the future. Right. And just, so, go ahead. I was just gonna, It just wants that immediate, needs to be fed right away. Absolutely. Yeah. So the issue of um, what I call proximity of consequence, you know, I know that that next um, uh, uh, greasy burger won't kill me, mm-hmm. but you know, a couple thousand of those over ten years may. Mm-hmm. I don't know who eats a thousand of those. Whatever the number is. Sure. You know, that next cigarette, the person that needs to quit smoking, it's not going to kill them because the proximity of consequence is so far out that we go into the denial. But if I were to lace that cigarette with cyanide. Mm-hmm. And they asked him to smoke it. They'd be like, there's no way I would smoke it because now all I did was move the consequence sooner. So the, when it comes to putting things off, part of the art form or the skill set is how do I, it's like, you know, a lot of times I use the example that Jim Rohn uses is waking up, you know, a uh, hundred feet from Niagara Falls in a boat with no oar and no motor. <laughs> and it's like, you know, the inevitable thing is you're going over. The sad part though is what a, what a really tragic place to find yourself. Oh, wow. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a little like, late yeah. to wake up then, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. And the sad part is, is that somebody knew that you were going down that path. Hmm. And if you're a leader and you, and you have people that, that are waking up 100 feet from the, from the shore, I always tell people, why didn't you have the skill set to paint a picture of the roar of the falls way upstream? Well, so part of the problem there, I'm assuming, is people can't see it or hear it. They can't, but let me tell you, the good storyteller, yeah. good leader, the good mentor, the good manager is very good at painting the picture of the roar of the falls before they get there. Hmm. Those of us who, you know, there's, there's probably things, Jeff, that, you know, you talk about things you're putting off, but I guarantee you there's a bunch of things that you're doing that are really good for you, your business, your health, your family. Absolutely, and, yeah. And those things are probably driven by a very clear connection to the, uh, the negative consequence that's going to happen in the future if you don't do this now. Hmm. The best salespeople, they get so much value out of picking up the phone and dialing, and they get so much fear and stress associated to not being on the phone. The person who's not selling is the exact reverse. They have stress around picking up the phone, and they have uh, they get relief from not making the phone call. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. But can we can we rewire ourselves? One hundred percent. Okay, so how do we do that? How do that's we just, rewire our brain to say, hey, I've been blown off making the calls or doing what I know I should do, right? Um, how do I rewire that situation now so I can follow through where it's like, damn it, I need to follow through in this area? It takes, it, well, one, it takes the person wanting to do it. Okay. You can't help, if somebody doesn't want to do it, yeah, I, 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 my company Valentum, mm-hmm. it really what it stands for is voluntary momentum. Mm-hmm. If they don't want to do it, then, and, and I tell people all the time, I want you to imagine so results, the word results, we're trying to get results and sometimes we get positive results and sometimes we get negative results. But those results come from certain behaviors that we've engaged in, right? Yeah. And so if we don't like our results, the typical approach is we're going to change the behavior. And that's the problem right there is that we look at changing from a behavioral perspective. 
But when we try to change behavior, we can almost always predict that we're going to get resistance. Yes. And so that is what system one is for. The change in behavior causes so much stress that system one comes into play and says, no, we're not going to do it. So when I told you in the beginning, when you say, when you learn about the brain, you stop fighting it, you start working with it. I don't ask people. And I, and I, I'm, my clients outside of mortgage are hundred and some billion dollar organizations that are going through massive scale change. Right. And the reason why we get hired is because we understand, we tell them like, you're hiring me for change, but I'm not going to ask any single person here to create behavior change. And say, what do you mean? I said, well, let's take a look at the thing that drove behavior in the first place, which is what nobody ever wants to look at. Our behavior is driven by what we believe Mm -hmm. and the beliefs that we have. But usually that's in a black box. That's something that's not explored. If somebody is, is overweight and not eating well, what was, what was it that they must, what is it that they must have believed to have eaten that way? I know for me, when I've struggled with my health, it, it comes from the fact that, you know, I, I grew up being surrounded by a family that loved, that used food as love. Mm-hmm. And growing up, that was fantastic. You know, I didn't know my father, so I was raised by this family that was an amazing, she was an amazing Cuban cook, and she loved me and took care of me, and she fed me, and, and you know, so food, you know, I grew up living food was love. Sure. And so for, you know, things, when things go tough and you feel lonely or whatever, guess what do you, what do you turn to? Mm-hmm. Well, let me get some love, well, food. Mm-hmm. How do I do it with my friends when I cook? I feed them. And so if you don't take a look at those things that are there, now let's take a look at it from a sales perspective, somebody not making a phone call. Well, what do they believe? When you, well, I tell people, I said, I don't want to talk about getting you to make more phone calls. I want to talk to you about what do you believe about making phone calls? Mm. So what do you, what, what, if you call, what, what does that mean to you? When somebody, and I usually will, I have to sort of use a backdoor approach with them. Yeah. And, I, and I it's not tricking them, but I have to be able to get at what they believe without them um, knowing it right away. So I may ask a question. I say, oh, you know, so let me ask you a question. Somebody calls you, a telemarketer calls. How do you feel? Oh my God, I hate those people. <laughs> they always call during my dinner. They're always interrupting. They're always pushy. I can't stand it. I go, interesting. And I tell them, I said, you know, what's interesting about that question is that oftentimes the way you feel about a telemarketer calling you is exactly how you feel. People feel about you when you call them. <laughs> and if that's how you feel, Let's say I'm talking to John. I said, John, if that's how you feel, there is nothing I can do to incentivize you because I'm guessing that that reaction is against all your values, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. I don't want to treat people that way. I said, so John, I said, there's, there's nothing I can do to convince you or pay you to go out there and be a jerk to people. So it doesn't matter what the solution is. If that is how you perceive it and that's how you, what you believe, it's not going to happen. And so he's like, well, I, but I know I need to make these phone calls. I go, I know you do too. I said, but you need to really reassess your perspective. And so I'll give you, I'll give you a totally different example. Um, I did uh, work with a, um, one of the largest uh, uh, chain of schools for karate. This is a company by the name of uh, National Karate. Great organization. I mean, the, the founders were really responsible for bringing a lot of American karate back to, to the United States. And it's just it's got a rich history. And what's amazing is that all of their instructors are are just purists at purist at heart. They're, they're martial artists. They don't do take on these, these, uh, these, um, um, what do they call it? Not, not dojos, but, uh, they don't take on these schools because I think there was like 24, 25 at the time. They don't take them on to become millionaires or become rich. They, it's a very modest income. Mm-hmm. They care about people and they love what they do. And I was approached by the owner and he said, do you think it's possible to train these martial artists to be salespeople? And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Are they passionate? He said, oh my God, extremely passionate. Are they disciplined? He said, they're all black belts. I said, yes. He goes, do they care about people? And he said, absolutely. I said, then we're going to be just fine. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you'll see. In our first session, this was a sales training. In our first evening together, we went around the room and I said, you know, we're, I do a little thing on sales and things like that. But I said, well, I want to go, I want to learn about the first day you got into martial arts. And we went around the room and we heard these stories and man, I'm talking about some of the coolest stories, but there's one that always stood out for me. And as a woman, she said, and, um, she said, uh, I remember taking my daughter, my kids there, and I was sitting in sort of the waiting area watching where all the parents were. And, you know, I was, I wasn't in very good shape and I would, you know, I just, I was just a mom. And I remember Mr. Smith and he comes in and that's what they call her, Mr. Or Miss. 
and he throws a gi at me, a, you know, a uniform, and he hits me kind of in the face, and he said, two for one first month, go out there and join your kids. <laughs> and she said, I was appalled to think that why me as a mom getting out there on that mat and throwing kicks, and she's, he's got to be absolutely crazy. And, but his confidence, there's something about it that I really didn't have a choice. And I went out there and I did it. And she said, you know, at the time I was overweight and everything. And she goes, and three and a half years later, I'm a second degree black belt in karate. And she lifts up her, that kind of just shows her abs. She's got crazy abs, like incredible shape. And she goes, and I can walk down any street and I don't fear anything. And it was just a beautiful story. And so I heard all of these stories. And so I went back and I said, I want you, so I heard these stories and I wrote them all down. And I said, now folks, I want you to imagine that I have a time machine. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna pull this day out of your life. I'm gonna pull that event where Mr. Smith threw that, that, that uniform at you. He just didn't do it because he just, he didn't do it. I go, how are you feeling? And you watch this entire room grip their chairs and look at me like, don't you dare <laughs> touch that day. Don't take that away from us. Right. I said, well, what would happen? She goes, you would ruin my life. Mm. Everything that I have, everything that I believe in, I, w- I, you are n- I would never let you do that. And so I stopped. And I stood up and I looked around the room and I said, what I'm hearing here is that that day was important for all of you. And they're all nodding their heads. I said, okay, that, that day changed your life. They said, yes, for the better, to make your life richer, more full, confident, healthier. And they're like, yes. And I go, and you guys tell me you guys care about people? And they said, yeah, absolutely. I mean, no, seriously. I mean, do you, I mean, or is this just kind of for the money? They go, no, this is not for the money. This is, we care. And I said, and it does all these things. And I go, you know what? I got to tell you, I'm looking at a room full of selfish people. And they looked at me with their jaws on the floor like, what did you say? I go, I don't know if I've seen a more selfish group of people. And they're looking at me like, what? And I said to them, I go, you're telling me that you offer something that does all of these amazing things. And people walk into your school and you don't ask them to at least try? Even worse, somebody that may misunderstand what it is you're doing, you haven't taken the time to understand the skill set to communicate this amazing, life-changing experience, to at least give them the proper information for them to make the right decision based on the right information. How many people have you not served that needed your help? Hmm. They all literally sat back in their chair. They sunk in. And I remember one guy looks at me and he goes, teach us how to do that, please. And we went off and some of these people went off to have 90 some percent closing ratios. And, but I look at that and I go, did we change the behavior Mm. or did we trigger a value and a belief and really help them reframe what sales was? Mm -hmm. Well, I I think ultimately it sounds like, and that's a great story by the way. Um, So thank you for sharing that. Um, I find myself getting emotional just thinking about it. but what you did is you 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 reframed their belief, right? And you you reassociated the uh, the the emotional attachment that they had to to knowing what the impact is that it's had on their lives personally. Which didn't that ultimately then trigger that behavior to get into action mode because all those things you know seem to happen in a domino effect. So. So, I'm not sure if I followed. Can you rephrase? Yeah, I know there's a lot. <laughs> but I just want to make sure I'm answering. The I, I think bottom line is 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 what you allow you, that you reframed for them, you know what it meant to be in sales, uh, and, and attached the conviction they had about teaching karate and the impact it has on the lives. You attached that to, um, you know, the behavior of making sales. Absolutely. Okay. They, they already had a path. It takes energy. Think about, you know, you're either prospecting and putting, like you're either putting on the, the foot on the gas or the brake. Right. There's no, there's no in between. Right. And all the energy was on the brake because they go, I don't want to be this, this pushy individual. Yeah. They had a perception about what it meant to be in sales. Right. A belief. And I personally hold the belief that, that sales is one of the greatest professions on this planet. Mm-hmm. I believe that communicating something that you believe in is great. And as people say, well, there's all oh, salespeople are this. I said, those people don't understand 
Those people are manipulators. But somebody who believes in their product, somebody who believes in a life-saving, life-changing thing and can communicate it and can take somebody that doesn't want anything to do with you, but with a few questions can ask and that turn that person who doesn't want to talk to you into saying, wait, hold on a second, you can do this? And all of a sudden they say, yeah, and they learn more and all of a sudden their life is different. That's, that's an amazing thing. Right. And for mortgage, how many people will improve their life by owning a home? Mm-hmm. Can you get any cooler, any more meaningful than that? And there's so many people in the industry that take the easy deals versus the ones that actually might take a little bit of work. But those that do that, the fulfillment factor is huge. Absolutely huge. Right. So I'm thinking the person listening right now who's been in doing this, you know, mortgage origination for 20 plus years or whatever. And, you know, what happens uh, with the law of familiarity, right? People get jaded uh, or they lose that passion. Perhaps that was once there. So are there some exercises or things uh, people can do to bring that passion back up, right? To to reinvigorate the fire? Well, I th- you know, we the... Probably about almost four years ago, five years ago, I, I was turned on to Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Mm-hmm. And I did a, a presentation, a sort of adaptation of that, because it, it's, it's very similar to a lot of the work that, that, that I've, I've studied and researched. And he had a great methodology for the why, how, what. And um, the research that he uses to support that is, is at the core of what my research has been. So it was, I resonated very well with what he was doing. And so part of that process would be, and he's got a great methodology for it. I highly recommend that book is getting people back in touch with their why. And what I always find fascinating is the mortgage industry grabbed onto this concept of finding your why years ago with Tim Brahim and I doing a presentation and Tim talking about the why. And then Tony Robbins always was a very influential person in the mortgage industry. So this whole thing ran wild around finding your why, but I don't think everybody really knew exactly how to do it. They talked about it, but they didn't really know how. And so the concept is, is that everything we do, there's a reason behind it. Go back to the, you know, behaviors drive, or excuse me, beliefs drive behaviors and behaviors, you know, generate results. Mm. It's the same thing. Your beliefs are, is your why. But what people forget is that your why is not something that you look forward in your life and say, what should it be? Or what is it? It's something that you look back and analyze your life and you go, what is driving all these behaviors, the good and the bad? So the good ones, okay, what must I have believed? What's my why, the driver behind this? All these really stupid behaviors that I shouldn't have been engaging in. Why in the world did I do that? What did I believe? And that exercise of discovery for yourself can be an extremely emotional one. Mm-hmm. And if people have the courage to peel the onion back a little further, they usually take one or two peels and it's not there. But a lot of these whys, a lot of these values are set when you're in your um, uh, uh, early, early years, seven, eight, nine, ten years old maybe even earlier. Mm. Those things are set. And so a lot of times I tell people, I said, look at your parents, look at where you grew up. What, you know, if you're extremely tidy, is it because you had parents that were tidy or did you have parents that were slobs and you said, I don't want to be like that. Mm-hmm. You know, where was that? where did you learn? If you're, if you like, if you care about people, great. Where'd you learn that? Like, Oh, I just like caring about people. I said, well, where'd you learn it? Oh, I've always been that way. Really? <laughs> I know people that haven't been always been that way. You learned it somewhere where, and most people don't, because it usually takes somebody to ask the questions and to keep asking and to keep asking and to keep asking and keep asking. And then they finally get to it and they go, Oh my God, it comes back to my grandfather. I remember sitting with him one time when I was, and they have this aha moment. And I tell them that they go, that's the story that you also need to learn how to tell before you sell, before you talk about a value proposition, go back to your grandfather and what he taught you lay the foundation of who you are. Then on top of that foundation, tell me about what makes you different because it'll carry weight then. So you're saying reconnect to that emotional experience as you know, before you get into that mode of you're making calls or whatever. Uh, well, I think for what, yeah, absolutely. Your calls is part of your business, right? But you're talking about like, you know, back to the Tony Robbins, not to keep bringing him up, but you know, as you know, he talks about like getting in state. And I remember, you know, before, going through training with him, it's like, hey, before you're going to make outbound sales calls, before you're going to engage in this important activity, I think what you're saying is connect to the why about, you know, what is your why around it, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, I, and, and so, for example, I mean, your mindset is, 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 is a lot of this, obviously. Yeah. And there's another word that's been thrown around and overused. But, you know, for example, I, I could tell people all the time when they're, they're making a call to a realtor. Mm. And I said, if you want to call a realtor, 
I said, the biggest challenge you have is you're thinking about you have to get them to like you and you have to make a sale here. I said, I, I can cold call any single realtor, any single person, and it, it never feels like a cold call. And I said, and there's one differentiating factor. One, I mean, obviously I've had a lot of practice, mm. but I'm not trying to sell. I don't even know if I want to do business with them. And the person that thinks, oh, that sounds arrogant, is missing the entire point. The point of that is, is I don't know if we share the same values. I don't know if they have enough business mm -hmm. to justify the effort. I don't know if these, these people carry the same uh, commitment to excellence. I don't know if these people actually want uh, a new partnership or if we deal with the same clientele. But what I do know is that in life, personally and professionally, I want to be surrounded by people that share some of the same values that I have, people that push me to think harder, people that are committed to excellence. And so I can make a phone call and be like, you know, hey, but I tell people first, do some research on the person. Spend 30 to 45 seconds on their website and find something you like. And I said, here's, that's the big difference. Most of the time you're thinking about how do you get them to like you? But I challenge you, don't try to get them to like you. What can you do to like them? Hmm. Find something you like. Start with a mission statement. And people go, well, mission statements are cheesy. I go, they're super cheesy. <laughs> but have you ever written one? Hmm. Have you ever, have, have you, I'm sure you have, you've written one, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I bet you that I get it. Yeah, they're cheesy. But I, I, the thing I was thinking of, they're cheesy because you have a certain belief about them. <laughs> you need to change that belief, right? Because well, uh, they can be very useful. Well, well, partially. I said they're cheesy to the person who didn't create it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. And so you have to change and say, don't look at the, the mission statement through your eyes. Look at it through their eyes. And so I'll go and I'll see, mm. and I'll see a horribly done website. Um, but in, you know, fonts that are just really disgusting and ugly. And I'll look at that and people are like, they're judging it. I'm like, hold on a second. This is all, these are all signs. This person created the site on their own. They took time to do so. In essence, they did something that they don't have a skill set in and they're doing their best. Now, this mission statement, let's look at it they, and people will laugh about it. I'm like, hold on a second. If you were to remove the judgment mm. and you were to say this person wants to make a better world through helping families one home at a time. Okay, that you know, everybody says that. I'm like, yeah, they probably do. I go, but you know what I want to find out? Why did they choose those words? Hmm. So I'll make the phone call and I'll be like, you know, let's say Sally. Say Sally, hey Sally, I, um, this is Renee Rodriguez with, you know, whatever company. I ran across your website and I have to say I was I was drawn to your to your mission statement. You know, I, I, a lot of people create mission statements, but I really like some of the words that you use there and I, if it's okay, I'd love to ask you, what, can you tell me how you came up with it? And what does it mean to you? And all of a sudden, what do you think she's, how do you think she's going to respond? Oh, wow. Well, somebody actually read it. Yeah. And let's, let's, let's play a couple scenarios. One is she most likely she's gonna be like, oh my God, well, thank you. Yeah. You know, I mean, right. you know, I, I know it's probably not the best one, but it, it's something that, you know, and then if she goes into her story, we're already bonding yes. over something that's really real. And let's say the other thing happens where she goes, ah, I just copied and pasted it from somewhere <laughs> down the street. Right. Instantly, I know it's probably not somebody I want to do business with. Mm. But I may ask the next question. I don't want to judge too quickly. It's system one. I may say, well, I said, okay, well, you could have copied any one of them. Why did you copy that one? Mm. And if they say, first one I saw, then that's probably how they're going to do business as well. Yeah. But if they say, you know what? No, you're right. I'm, I'm being a little facetious. I saw that one and it struck me. I said, well, what about it struck you? Because and, and, and before you even answer, I'll tell you why I'm asking. I go, you know, in my 20 years of doing this business or 15 years of doing this business, I've come away with a conclusion this last year is that there's a lot of people that I could do business with, but there's only a few that I want to. And the differentiator is people that share some of the same values. And, and your, your mission statement caught my attention, felt like it was in alignment. It totally may not be, though. So he goes, no, 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 actually, it, it, let me just tell you about it. And so all of a sudden, now they're bringing me back in. And then, in, um, you know, once it gets that point, I might say, you know, hey, I, I got to get run, run out of here. But, you know, I'd love to continue this conversation. I said, I know there's a coffee shop over by your place. Um, time next week, Thursday, Friday, work for you. And you book the appointment, but you're talking about values, right? Right. Business is easy. Okay. Is there is there a cap on that? Business is easy. Dot dot dot. Or no? I'd just say, period. Well, it could be. Yeah. Business. I'd say what well, business is easy. It's it's the other relationship pieces that should be a match. Once that's a match, the business is simple. Ah, right, right, exactly. There's there's, there's got to be the the synergy match there. There's got to be, as you said, shared values or whatnot. Absolutely. Uh, so that's, yeah, it's a great example. It's a great story. And uh, I'm extrapolating that, you know, again, 
putting myself in the listener's shoes for, for those that are listening to this thinking, yeah, but agents don't have a mission statement on their website. And find something else that you like on the website. Right. That's exactly where it's going to go. I, you know, how, how professional their site looks, um, you know, the, the way they uh, talk about, like, a lot, a lot of realtors do have that kind of, maybe not a mission statement, but just kind of a, right, personal description or whatever, what they're all about, things like that. So I think that's cool. That's kind of a unique way to connect. First of all, if anything else, it shows that you've actually done some research ahead of time yes. um, and taken a moment to actually care, which virtually nobody else does. Uh, absolutely. And it's so simple hmm. to do. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, don't you want to learn, learn a little bit about the person before you call them and just say, hey, I noticed, you know, you've got so-and-so on your website or, hey, you're in business with your husband. That must be a great experience, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, all kinds of things. That's awesome. Okay, so cool. Very good stuff, man. This is really good. Um, in just a couple of minutes we have left, I wondered, I know you've got uh, lots of different things you talked about, but you and I talked about sales activities, um, money-making activities in the sales process. Is there one or two other kind of key things you want to leave with the listeners um, regarding, right, those activities that are helping yeah. help them make money? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, you know, so all the psychology and all of the, the, the sort of things that we're talking about, at the, at, it's really to, to help us drive the business. Mm -hmm. And so what is quote unquote the business? And one of the things that I first learned when I first got into sales is that there's only six ways that you make money as a salesperson. And this applies directly towards uh, loan officers, mortgage professionals. There's only six ways you make money. And the sooner you embrace that and you actually believe it, and I've tested this with tens of thousands of them, and I've never had anybody say, nope, doesn't work, or nope, I don't get it. When, the sooner you embrace this, the sooner your business will turn around. But there's only six ways you make money, and I call them the six money-making activities. First one, and, and I'm going to warn you, Jeff, these are profound. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can see my sarcastic look. Love it. So first one is prospecting. Mm -hmm. Prospecting, I'm gonna, in fact, I'm going to give you all six. Prospecting is the first one. Second one is setting appointments. There's a real sexy activity. <laughs> Third one is presentation or presentation of value, as I, how I like to call it. Mm -hmm. Fourth is closing. You got to get some sort of commitment. Mm -hmm. Fifth is aftercare or your service afterwards. And sixth is getting referrals. So prospecting, setting appointments, presentation of value, closing the deal, aftercare follow-up, and getting referrals. Those, <coughs> excuse me, those are the six ways that you make money. Anything anybody does after that, if you're in sales, is a complete waste of time. Now, what's really cool is in between each one of those, that actually in that sequence becomes your sales process. Something else that a lot of people are missing in this industry. And here's the, here's the kicker. Your sales process is not negotiable. It's not negotiable. All right. What does that mean? So if I, let's, let's go back to a process of making paper. Let's get out of the industry for a minute. Mm -hmm. If I want to make paper, I first have to cut a tree down. Mm -hmm. I can't say, well, you know, we did that last year. We want something new and fresh. <laughs> uh, no, you, you need to cut the tree down, right? It's not negotiable. You right. have to do certain things in an order. And last time I checked, if you want one loan, you have to have an application, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You can't have a loan without an app. Right. Okay. But if you want an app, last I checked, you can't have an app without actually presenting some sort of value to somebody. Mm -hmm. And if you want to have a meeting to present value to somebody, you have to have somebody that's actually interested and you have to have a lead. It's all and connected. Have, all connected. I mean, and, and I don't care what you believe about it. It's called reality. It's there whether you believe it or not. Those are things that have to happen. And so the, like any business, the, the more efficient, and the word productivity comes down to how efficient you are moving through those six activities and those milestones that I just laid out. And so the, the movement between each activity, there's, a, there's a, a, a bridge in between one that you have to basically earn your way to the next step. Prospecting, the goal of prospecting is generating leads. That's your ticket to getting out, setting an appointment. If you want to set an appointment, <clears throat> who are you going to set it with? Anybody or somebody that's a lead? A lead is, a, is somebody who expresses interest. Mm -hmm. Some people, um, and that's where I, I get very frustrated with technology and, and CRMs and, and LOSs because they all have a different definition of a lead. Mm. And you go into an LOS and a lead is somebody that actually took a, um, a full 1003 or even pulled credit. Right. Well, it's not a lead. That's actually somebody you're working with. That's like, that's like a customer in process. Okay. There. Beyond a lead, yeah. You know, and so a lead is somebody that expresses interest. And I, there's so many activities that have to happen prior to me pulling credit. Right. And so you have to generate a lead. So now I set an appointment with the objective of getting a date, time, and a place. Very simple objective. 
And then once I have a date time and place, I show up and I give a presentation. And the purpose of that presentation to achieve three things is credibility, differentiation, and trust. There's a methodology for creating presentation. Mm -hmm. And once I create that presentation and they like that, then I can ask for a commitment. And the commitment requires a signature, skin in the game. And then once I have that skin, skin in the game, I can then give the aftercare and to, for the purposes of creating a wow experience. And if I've created the wow experience, referrals come very easy and I generate a lead and I go back up to setting an appointment. And so the pr process becomes very perpetual. So that sequence, you can, I tell people in the beginning is to make up in numbers what you lack in skill, get in that sequence and talk to as many different people as you can and go through the process. And at some point, then you start working on the quality versus quantity, which means you're in, increasing the conversion ratio between each one of those steps. So that becomes a model for management, which is another huge missing piece in the industry right now that we don't have true sales managers. We need true sales managers. We have good loan officers that became managers and wanted the override for um, uh, becoming a sales manager or a branch manager. And they, they go out and hire people, but they don't know how to train them. They don't know how to do that. There's a few good ones out there, but we need to create more leadership. Right. There's too many people being failed out there that aren't getting what they need. And so, with that uh, piece, the, those six money-making activities and those commitment objectives in between those creates the sales process. And one of the things I'm actually most excited about is um, uh, been working very closely with the with NAREP, which is the National Association for Hispanic Real Estate Professionals, mm -hmm. and is really just one of the most class organizations and leadership that I've ever been around. They've got over 26,000 members, and when I, I'm not talking about just members, I'm talking about followers, a tribe of people that believe and care about this organization, believe in the industry as a whole, beyond just Hispanics, but believe in the industry. And they have an, an annual convention um, coming up in September. And I've been uh, fortunate enough to work very closely with the founder and CEO, Gary Acosta. And he wanted to do uh, uh, a mortgage event because there's a good 30 some percent of the people at NAREP are in mortgage related. And together we put together what we call the uh, Elevate Mortgage Summit. And the Elevate Mortgage Summit is September 17th and 18th. And we're going to have, we're actually limiting it at 800 people, um, which, and it's filling up really fast. And we've got uh, myself as a keynote speaker. We've got Dan Hardy, who's uh, our, our closing keynote. If you haven't met or listened to, or excuse me, not Dan Hardy, Darren Hardy. Dan Hardy's a fighter. Um, Darren Hardy, who's just a, an amazing presenter. He's an amazing business businessman and has written some amazing books and just offers some content that is just out of this world. Steve Harney, who's uh, by far my number one favorite industry speaker. Mm. Um, he is, his, the way he takes data and translates it into presentable information is, is second to none. He's, a, he's just a good guy. Um, and we've got some other really strong people, but it's going to be two, you know, a day and a half, two days um, there in Los Angeles. But then it moves directly into the NAREP National Convention where you get to put into practice everything you just learned with over 4,000 real estate agents uh, from across the country. And so the entire event is designed around the six money-making activities. You're going to have a big, there's a big backdrop of the, uh, at the event where uh, anytime a speaker talks about prospecting, that's going to light up and, and they're going to come away with tangible, actionable uh, methodologies and technology that supports that, the, the six activities. And so it's, it's a powerful event for mortgage professionals and realtors. Yeah. Actually, that event sounds really cool. I'm on the webpage right now. So for those listening, I want to jot that down. It's elevatemortgagesummit.org. September 17th, 18th is the Elevate uh, portion of that in Los Angeles at the JW Marriott. And as you said, then it spills it over into the uh, actual uh, convention for the uh, NA rep, as you call it, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. LA, LA Live. LA Live. Yeah. Great location. Awesome. Well, I definitely plan on being there. So so this is very cool. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, you you kind of closed uh, before transitioning into there into about Elevate Mortgage Summit. You talked about how we need more leadership in this uh, industry, if you will, which is what we opened up with, which is there's no leadership without influence. And, Absolutely. And I couldn't agree with that more. So And, and I think today, um, and this has been really good because what you shared was a lot of how do we have you know, more influence, right? And that's over ourselves, over our family, over our coworkers, over our partners and clients. And that's what it's, it's what it all comes down to, right? Is, is influence. And we're obviously we're talking for the positive and hopefully people, when they think of influence, right, they think of that in a positive sense. Absolutely. Yes. And I think that, you know, the, talk about families and I, I asked the work I do, I always tell people, I look, I go, I, I hope I affect you more personally at home than I do at work. Yeah. And, and we use a lot of examples. I talk about my kids all the time and mm -hmm. the reality of, 
of taking a look at, you know, watching your kids going down a certain path, knowing that if they continue this behavior, it's going to be something bad. But what if you didn't have the skill to influence them? Mm. What kind of disservice is that? And I tell people it's worth it just for being a parent to learn it. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially with the things kids have to deal with today in terms of the path they go down. And are you being a leader or do you have influence to help them, help guide them along that path? Powerful stuff. Okay, cool. So listen, we are uh, out of time. I know you're busy. Um, You've got other stuff to get to, but I want to, before we wrap up, if you wouldn't mind, share with the listeners how they can connect with you. You're also uh, obviously involved in a couple organizations. One you've you've, uh, referenced earlier, Valentum. You're you're also uh, involved with betterloanofficers.com. So tell us a little bit about either of those if you want. Sure. And um, easy way to find me is a C Renee speak. It's S E E Renee, R E N E speak.com. You'll see some, uh, how to get a hold of me videos, booking, booking me for speaking engagements, things like that. Um, but yeah, also we, we relaunching something I'm very excited about better loan officers.com, something we started three years ago and we've gone through some renditions and you know, the, the growing pains of a startup, but really have found an amazing leadership team for, uh, rebringing this to the marketplace and better officers.com is right now the largest directory for mortgage professionals in the industry. We have over 500,000 uh, profiles. In fact, anybody listening, if you have an NMLS ID number, you have a profile with us already and you can go ahead and claim it for free. But we are the only mortgage specific reputation management and review management and what I even call reputation marketing engine out there that's specific for the mortgage industry. So we provide tools to help you take your reputation, you gather reviews, um, and testimonials and present them in a very elegant way. And so very, very powerful tool. So that's betterloanofficers.com and go ahead and claim your profile there. But, uh, but yeah, see Renee speak and, and those, it's just, um, Valentum is, is my consulting business that, 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 that we, that I use to go out and, and work with other clients. So yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Check out better, betterloanofficers.com for sure, because that is obviously helping you have more influence online. And of course we know the importance today of having third party credibility, testimonials, what other people are saying about you, customers, um, people are looking at that online first. And if you don't have, I remember somebody once said, uh, if, if you don't believe in, in reputation management online, um, you know, if you, if you're not controlling your, your reputation, someone else is. Absolutely. Uh, you, you, great quote. <laughs> yeah. So make sure you're right. Get, get in control of that and uh, apply all the stuff that's Renee Rene has shared with us today. And hey, Renee, I, I can't thank you enough, man. And I have to tell you, right, the chase is worth it. So <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. You're doing a great thing, Jeff. And I, and I, and I commend you on, on, you know, you've grown to a really strong following and the people that work with you always rave about what you're doing. So, you know, as much as I'd love to, you know, have you believe that you're the lucky one, this is definitely a great opportunity for me and, and, and an honor to be a part of it. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I know we'll stay connected. Uh, hopefully I'll see you up at the uh, Elevate Conference in September in LA. Um, but, but once again, thanks very much for, for making time. And for those listening, uh, you know, make sure you check out the resources. We'll put all the uh, resources that Renee mentioned in the show notes, the links to the uh, Amy Cuddy uh, TEDx uh, video to Renee's websites and so forth. So just check the show notes there. And by the way, if you've enjoyed today's session, hey, just let us know. Take a moment, you know, like us, give us a review on iTunes. Uh, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss future episodes. And um, Once again, we just appreciate you, and uh, thanks for being here today. I'm your host, Jeff Zimfer, Mortgage Marketing Radio. Take care, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Marketing Radio. Want more truth in mortgage marketing? Get more free training and resources at MortgageMarketingInstitute.com. Hey guys, what's up? Real quick, uh, you've heard about the Mortgage Marketing Pro membership before, and I just want to quickly remind you if that you're in a place in your business where you simply need more purchase loans, you need to fill your pipeline with purchase business, let's just face it, agents are still a solid pillar of business and sources of purchase business for you. Well, good news. Our Mortgage Marketing Pro membership helps loan officers like you close more loans without the hassle of chasing agents or cold calling. Done for you agent classes, expert training videos, a marketing automation platform that automates the entire process for you, everything you need to build your personal brand in your local market, attract and convert agents into referral partners, plus done for you proven marketing materials and plug and play content to make promoting your class, getting agents butts and seats, partnering with affiliates real easy. But that's not all. You'll also get access to our weekly mastermind calls 
with top LOs, authors, speakers, and coaches to learn the best strategies to grow your business right now in today's market. And as an extra bonus for a limited time, for all new members, you'll get access to a database of 200 agents in your local market that have closed anywhere to, from eight to 50 transactions in the last 12 months. And we'll provide that list upload into our platform for you so you can get off to a fast start in reaching actually productive agents. So what are you waiting for? You can check out more at mortgagemarketing.pro, see more of the success stories there. And if you feel compelled to do so, book a call, we'll have a chat, we'll see if it's a fit. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your mortgage business to the next level right now. Head over to mortgagemarketing.pro.